Gets it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman. Blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson. Marcel with the open net and he scores. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you and hope everybody is staying well as we head into Memorial Day weekend, the summer season officially kicking off on Long Island. And again, we are getting closer and closer to the resumption of hockey. Today's episode of Locked On Islanders is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. We have got a lot to talk about today. The NHL getting closer and closer to announcing its reopening format and strategy, and we will talk about it and how it affects the Islanders a little bit later on in the show. We will also look back at a big playoff win for the Islanders on this date in Islanders history. And we'll have the final installation of our What If series. And uh, we will talk about uh, what if the Islanders were a big market spending kind of a team back in the 90s and early 2000s. It certainly would make for a very different history for the New York Islanders. If you've got a question, a comment, something that's on your mind, you could reach us by email. The address LockedOnIslanders.com at gmail.com, and if you tell us your name and where you're from, first name only, uh, we'll be happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter and contact us that way, the Twitter handle, at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S, N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes and and all the things that are going on in the world of the New York Islanders. All right, so let's get started uh, with a couple of quick notes. Uh, First of all, the New York Islanders website has a very good piece, and you you may want to check this out. Uh, Stan Fischler, the hockey maven, talking about Bobby Nystrom and his career, some great quotes in there, and, uh, you know, sort of looking at the way Bob Nystrom got started, and also, quite honestly, uh, you know, getting an idea of what made uh, Bob Nystrom so very popular with Islander fans, And, and that's, you know, one of those things that is kind of magical when you think about it, the way uh, Bob Nystrom sort of endeared himself to Long Islanders and New York area hockey fans and and became one of the most popular players in Islanders history. 
So there, that is definitely up there. It is definitely something that uh, you should check out. And, you know, like I said, a lot of good stuff on the Islanders' official uh, website, including that article. Also, if you check out the News 12 website here on Long Island, you can see that uh, they are asking fans to share their 1980 Islanders memories of that Stanley Cup season. Uh, Basically, as we approach over the weekend, the 40th anniversary of the Islanders' first Stanley Cup win. So lots of stuff going on in the uh, realm of the web and social media with regard to the Islanders. But here, let's get down to business. The NHL's latest rumored return to play format, and there's a lot going on with that. We're looking right now at a 24-team conference play setup. Two hubs, rumors, again, nothing etched in stone about any of this yet, has to be finalized. But the rumor is that among the front runners for these two uh, hubs are Las Vegas in the United States and Edmonton, Alberta in Canada. So 12 teams in each conference would make the playoffs or, you know, would resume play. And the way it's been described, and again, not etched in stone, not finalized, but the top four seeds based on point percentage would get buys through the play-in round, but they would play each other in a three-game round-robin kind of a format in order to get back into the to the uh, swing of playing and to determine who the actual top seeds are going to be. So, Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philadelphia would be the top four seeds in the East. St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas would be the top four seeds in the West. Now, the rest of it, teams 5 through 12, would then play a best-of-five opening round, which means... Fifth-seeded Pittsburgh would take on Montreal. Sixth-seeded Carolina would face the 11th-seeded Rangers. The eighth-seed Maple Leafs would take on the ninth-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets, while the seventh-seeded New York Islanders would have home ice advantage in theory. And again, it matters not because of the crowd, because there won't be any fans, but who has the last line change, still does matter in a hockey game. Ask any coach. So the Islanders would, in a best-of-three series, take on the 10th-seeded Florida Panthers under this plan, and the winner of that series would advance to play whoever the number two seed is in the Eastern Conference. Now, as of right now, that would be the Washington Capitals. But for the Islanders, again, nothing etched in stone, but they would open with a five-game series against the Florida Panthers, and then every series after that play-in series would be a best-of-seven. And fans, we certainly want to hear what your thoughts are about this uh, possible playoff system, and I, I think it really does 
benefit the Islanders. I, I think Florida is a team they certainly could beat. The fact that they would be locked in at that point to play the two seed is not easy, but no playoff series are easy. And if the Islanders were the seventh or eighth seed in the playoffs, that's who they would have been playing in the opening round anyway. So please feel free via email or Twitter to let us know your feelings about this proposed playoff system. And if you want to maximize your system, have a built bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You have eight chocolate flavors with nuts and eight that are nut free. All of them are delicious, soft, and easy to chew. And unlike other protein bars, it, it tastes like you're eating a candy bar, and that is always a good thing. Built Bars are great for people who are trying to stay healthy and lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Look at the peanut butter brownie flavor. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, just 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. And right now, we have a special offer for Locked On Islanders listeners. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON. For $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So the other thing about the Islanders and Florida Panthers, obviously a rematch that would be of the 2016 playoff series uh, that the Islanders won. And that certainly is uh, kind of enticing for Islander fans. And we'll see if this is indeed the system that the league finalizes and comes up with. All right, time for this date in Islanders history, we go back to May 22nd, 1993, at the Nassau Coliseum, Game 4 of the Islanders' Prince of Wales Conference Final against the Montreal Canadiens, and Montreal comes in here with a 3-0 lead in this series, the Islanders fighting to keep themselves alive, Patrick Waugh again the goalie for Montreal, while Glenn Healy is in between the pipes for the New York Islanders. Islanders win or go home. And the first period was scoreless with Glenn Healy doing a very good job of keeping the Islanders in the game. Montreal had three power play opportunities in the first period. Jeff Norton off for holding at 7-11. Ray Ferraro for tripping at 16:32, and then Steve Thomas for slashing at 19:05. That power play carried into the second period. The Islanders had just one power play in the first period when Gilbert Dion was called for charging at 11:44. But no goals scored in the opening 20 minutes of this game. But in the second period, it was Montreal getting on the board first. Paul DiPietro. His sixth of the playoffs assists to Vincent Damfus and Mike Keane at 622, and the crowd at the Coliseum getting a little bit quiet as they start to worry that maybe the season is going to end here. But the Islanders, as they did so many times during this incredible 1993 playoff run, get back into the hockey game. Steve Thomas ties it up. With his eighth goal of the playoffs, Uwe Krupp and Pierre Turgeon with the assists. 
at 13-14 of the second period, and the two teams head into the locker rooms after two periods, all even at one apiece. The next goal we knew was going to be critical, and the next goal belonged to the New York Islanders. Pat Flatley, his second of the playoffs from Ray Ferraro at 557, gave the Islanders a 2-1 lead, and then four and a half minutes later, David Volek, and he scored a number of important goals in this playoff run. He got his fourth of the postseason from Tom Fitzgerald and Uwe Krupp at 10-24, and the Islanders led 3-1. Well, time starting to run down. The Canadiens pull their goalie, but they cannot get anything past Glenn Healy, and Benoit Hogue gets his fifth goal of the playoffs into the empty net. It is unassisted at 19-16, and the Islanders skate away with a 4-1 win to keep their season alive. The only multiple-point player in this game, Uwe Krupp, who had two assists as far as plus-minus goes, Pat Flatley, Benoit Hogue, and Jeff Norton, the defenseman, uh, were plus-two, as were Steve Thomas and Dennis Vasky. The shots on goal in this one, uh, Montreal... 24 shots on goal, so 23 saves for Glenn Healy to earn the win. The Islanders, in this evenly paced game, had only 25 shots on goal. The leader in shots, Benoit Hogue, who had three, and David Volek, who also had three shots to pace the Islanders. The Islanders, that would be, by the way, the final playoff victory in the great career of Al Arbor, the following game, game five of this series, which was played two days later, was won by Montreal 5-2. to two. And then the following season, which was Arbor's last full season behind the bench for the Islanders, the Islanders were swept by the Rangers in the 1994 opening round playoff series. So this game, this 4-1 to one win at the Coliseum, the last postseason victory in the Hall of Fame career of Al Arbor. And look, by far, Arbor, the greatest coach in the history of the New York Islanders. And I don't know if there's anybody who's even in the same uh, you know, stratosphere that Arbor is in. And, you know, between 1973 and 1994, yeah, there was a two or three year period where Arbor stepped down and was no longer the coach, but realistically, for the first, uh, you know, couple of decades of Islanders hockey, Al Arbor was the difference maker for this team, and so many former players who I interviewed for my book, Ice Wars, uh, and who I interviewed at different times at the Coliseum or on the telephone, always expressed to me how important Al Arbor was to the success of the New York Islanders. So this win, a real milestone. Arbor, you know, what made him so successful besides strategy and using all the weapons at his disposal, he knew how to get the most out of his players, when to push them, when to, uh, you know, 
lay off a little bit and give them a little bit of breathing room. So, uh, you know, this game, a milestone, the last playoff win for Al Arbor. It all happened on this date in Islanders history, May 22nd, 1993. So the last of our what-ifs in Islanders history, and this one is, you know, just a, a very different look. What if the Islanders were a big spending team in the days before the NHL salary cap? The Islanders were always a team playing in the New York metropolitan area, the biggest market in the, the United States, but, you know, they were the Long Island team. They weren't the New York City team, so... When NHL free agency really took off in the 90s and early part of the 2000s, the Rangers would be spending money left and right, and the Islanders would often be trading away players before they left in free agency. And I think about Zygmunt Palfi uh, primarily. Uh, but, you know, what if the Islanders were big spenders during that entire time period? How different would the history of this team have been? Certainly, it would have generated more headlines, more media buzz for the New York Islanders during this time. And, you know, a lot of big news coming across the newspaper and ESPN and all the different media outlets back then before social media. But in the summer... And, you know, the thing is, winning headlines in July does not mean you're winning Stanley Cups in May and June. And, look, the, any fan of the New York Rangers could tell you how that team spent so much money on, you know, Scott Gomez and Theo Fleury and Chris Drury and so many, uh, Bobby Holik, so many other uh free agents that just did not work out. And in the end, the New York Rangers had to be, and Glenn Sather, their general manager at the time, you know, the salary cap almost saved Glenn Sather from himself because he would just keep spending money without the ability to put together a good, cohesive team. And you know, that sort of destroyed the New York Rangers during that decade. Now, the Islanders, on the other hand, weren't able to make those kind of signings. And, you know, to them, it was a question of trying to keep as many of your own players. And, like I said, trying to, unfortunately, trade away players before they reached free agency. And, you know, that was always a big problem for the New York Islanders. If they were spending lots of money, though, you know, would they have spent it wisely? How does Mike Milbury, for example, you know, if, if ownership in the 90s, you know, would have said to Mike Milbury and into the early 2000s, hey, you could spend any amount of money you want, go out and bring us the best team possible, what would Mike Milbury have done? And I can't say for sure that Milbury, as a general manager, would have built the Islanders into a winning team any more than Glenn Sather did with the Rangers because he spent a whole lot of money 
and the Rangers ended up going nowhere. And if you look back at the rivalry in the late 90s and early 2000s, both the Rangers and the Islanders were not making the playoffs year after year, even though, you know, the Islanders were not spending very much and the Rangers were spending like there was no tomorrow. So I don't think Milbury would have been the right guy to build the Islanders up at that point. Now, here is the thing, though. The way things might have been different is this. With the signing of big-ticket free agents, the Islanders might have gotten more tickets sold, might have generated more positive buzz on Long Island about the team, and that might have made a difference about getting the Nassau Coliseum renovated let's say in the late 90s or early 2000s, rather than having everything blow up on the team a decade later when the Lighthouse Project was voted down and the vote that took place in 2012 went against the team and then they end up moving to Brooklyn. So I think the biggest way that things could have been different is more of an off-the-ice thing because high-salary guys, even when the Islanders traded for them, didn't necessarily want to come to Long Island. But, you know, maybe that changes also. Maybe the fact that the Islanders could spend money on free agents would have encouraged other free agents to sign with the team. And, you know, the, the image that the Islanders had that they were the suburban team, the family-oriented team, the, you know, the, the smaller market kind of a team, while the Rangers were the money team, the, the big brother, so to speak, the team that, you know, has the glamorous Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena as their home ice. You know, that comparison might have been a little bit different if the Islanders were spending more money in the late 90s and into the early 2000s. So, again, those are the kind of things that are a little more intangible and a little bit more difficult to put your finger on. But clearly, if you look back at the late 90s, it was a tough time for the New York Islanders and their fans. And you add to it, if you recall those days, the leaks in the roof, and the scoreboard not, you know, falling down or not working, and all all of the, you know, problems with the Coliseum, if the team is spending money, you know, yeah, the Coliseum was run by SMG or, and, and owned by the county, but if the Islanders are filling the place, and the fans are more enthusiastic back then, does that mean that the Coliseum, the repairs are done more readily? Probably not, I would honestly think. But I do think there is a better chance that the Islanders would have had the Coliseum renovated much sooner and probably never would have left the old barn, which would have then been fixed up and been the new barn. But uh, that didn't happen until, you know, the mid-2000s. And by then, the team had already moved to Brooklyn. So, you know, it's one of those things that would have been a game changer. It's difficult to quantify exactly what it would have looked like, but certainly things would have been a lot different for the New York Islanders 
during that time period. All right, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Locked on Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NHL for a more national perspective on the world of hockey. Folks, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy the start of the summer season here on Long Island. You know, keep that social distancing going. But, hey, enjoy it. And remember, we are always one day closer to the resumption of hockey. And I'm getting excited just talking about all this stuff on a day-to-day basis. Just getting closer and closer to a restart for the Islanders and for all of the NHL. Have a great weekend, everybody. And of course, let's go Islanders.